You tell a story, he does too. Can he one-up you? Well, that's up to you. Tell your best tale and you never know. You could be a winner on the one-upper show. Hey, and welcome back to the one-upper show. I'm your host, Ted Blazak. And we're at the Farmer's Market in Coeur d'Alene in this early June day. And we've had another great person who is kind enough to come by and share his story. And what's your name? So my name is Safa. Safa. And where are you from, Safa? Uh, so I was born in Baghdad, Iraq. But oh, I only, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, 1987, September 30th. Okay. Really so, good. okay. Way before Desert Storm. Uh, right. Well, I left Iraq in 91. Uh, when I was about three and a half, which would have been just at the end of the first desert storm. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So, no? Wow. That's a whole... A whole other is that, is that a story? Is that uh, a story? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell this story essentially, but I'm yeah. going to tell the story from the inspiration in my life, okay. which, is, which is my mother, because she's oh. the one that makes the story happen. I'm oh. just a kid. Oh. oh, this sounds wonderful. Yeah. I hear this story. Okay. Okay. Thank tell you. us. Kick us off. So we'll talk about my mom. Her name is Lydia. Yeah. Lydia is one of the coolest, most calm, patient people that you could ever get to know. Yeah. Also with a spicy side because she's a mom. So it is what it is. Uh, it's lovely. And uh, and by the way, are you from this area? Coeur d'Alene area? No. I, uh, we'll get there. Oh, well, the I whole mean, story is going to get you there. It's going to go through all of it. But Shut up and I'm going to listen. All right. So Lydia is born in 1957. She's born to um, Florence and William. Uh -huh. Florence, um, her side of the family is uh, Chaldean, which is the oldest form of Christianity, essentially. Uh -huh. So if you ever saw the Passion of the Christ? Uh, I missed that one. Okay. So they said they spoke Aramaic, which is the language that Jesus spoke. But yeah. Aramaic is technically a dead language. Yeah. So they, speak, they spoke Chaldean, which is a derivative. Kind oh, of for the movie. For the movie. Oh, yeah. so because it's an ancient language. It's a, it's an ancient, it's a dead language. Oh, oh, yeah, ooh, yeah. Ooh. Or no, not a Chaldean. Okay. Aramaic is a dead language. Yes. And then yeah. so Chaldean, you'll find large populations of Chaldeans in Michigan, Nevada, oh. and... Oh. <laughs> Sorry. So, is that... This is my fiance, Cheyenne. Yeah, fiance, come here. Come here. Jack, say hello. Say hi. Hello, I'm Cheyenne. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, so Chaldean, so Chaldean, large pockets in Michigan, Nevada, and California. You'll uh -huh. see it all. It's still a spoken language. There's still little schools that teach it, which uh -huh. is great. So that's her side, her, her mom's side of family. Her uh -huh. dad's side of the family her father was born in um, New Delhi now, but Bombay, India, uh -huh. and his dad was Portuguese. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so anyway, kind of fun, kind of exciting. <laughs> okay. She's born in 57. She is uh, goes to Catholic schools growing up, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. He gets Iraq. in Iraq, right? Okay. Which right. is kind of like very small population. In 1991, you could consider 3% of Iraq Christian or Catholic, especially, okay. or some form of Orthodox. And 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 uh, of, of the uh, Christian denominations in Iraq, was Catholicism the most popular? Uh, I would probably, yes, most okay. likely, okay. right? Yeah. So because, yeah, the Chaldeans, they're, they're, it's not Roman Catholic. Um, it's Catholic. No, no, it's just I, one of the I Catholics, know right? Strong Catholic population in India, and Korea. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So yeah. if you look at it this way, so 
you know, you've got Israel right here and you've uh -huh. got Jesus. Okay. Yeah. And then he's got his apostles, right? And yeah. they go out into the world, yeah. right? So you see the letters of Paul or, uh, or right. in, in Syria and things like yeah. that. So yeah. Baghdad, essentially, that entire area yes. was one of the first Christians that ever came to the world. Sure. And yeah. Active highway system in the world. Yeah, yes, exactly. The center of the world. You've yeah. got Genghis Khan, Romans, everybody coming right. in and just yeah. just being like, "What's yeah. up, little piece of desert?" Yes, super exciting times, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, you know, from there she goes to the University of Baghdad. She gets a, a degree in economics and uh -huh. marketing. Uh -huh. Eventually, later in her career, she worked for a Brazilian missile company. Okay, she was the assistant to the the guy that's in charge, right? And was the only woman allowed in the Ministry of Defense in Iraq. What? What? That's crazy stuff, yeah, right? She gets married, she gets pregnant, and I show up. Hey, right? 1987, yeah. September 30th. Leading up to that, okay, she lived through 10 years of war. Okay. Oh, Iran. We're talking about a million dead soldiers over yeah. a 10 year span. Yes. Absolutely horrific. From her childhood, there was even war yeah. and there was prisoners of war. She even has a story of she, her, my, my grandfather worked for the railroad. My grandmother was a school teacher at the same school where Saddam Hussein's first wife was the principal. Oh, wow. Right, it's kind of fun. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so my grandmother tutored Saddam Hussein's two oldest boys really? when they were in fourth and fifth grade. Because, wow. yes. So your grandmother tutored Saddam Hussein's sons. Okay. When they were in fourth and fifth grade, his oldest two, right? Which my grandma's cool, right? But like, but we're still talking about my mom. <laughs> I'm really fascinated by that angle. <laughs> I saw the HBO miniseries, Beth. Absolutely crazy yeah, people. Uh, right? Right, we're right, we're right, talking about little two. kids at that point, though. I know. You know where they went wrong? They went wrong. I will save that for a minute. They went wrong because at the end of the day, their father was a dictator and of out of control. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's absolute crazy, man. And they yeah. both became absolutely crazy yes. at the end. I mean, yes. literally walking down to cells drunk and shooting people. Um, you yeah, know, my I mean, mom tells me... Tell, there were uh, private clubs essentially for yeah. Christians, right? Uh -huh. Where we could gather, go hang out, do things, like have little parties. Um, and the way she describes this, this to me, uh, all I can think of is like literally like a members only private club. Right. Right. And you go there and you hang out. She and, and, and if he's a Christian teacher, John was saying, which well, is also. Uh, you know, so, uh, so in Salt Lake City, Utah right now, one of the best cooks I've ever met in my life lives there. She was actually Saddam Hussein's personal chef. Wow. Okay. Really? And the crazy part about Saddam Hussein is all his staff, yeah. all his guards, they were all Christians. Really? He didn't trust everybody else. Oh. Yeah. Safe. They, they were safe. They weren't part of it. They're not trying to do anything. They're just trying to exist and not right. die. Right. They're survey class. You know, so, so don't, it's actually good to Christians. My mom tells me a story when she was in her 20s, right, where, you know, Christian women were allowed to wear essentially still conservative, but could yeah. not have to wear an abaya or anything yeah. like that. So they, and they could wear their crosses. So like in the 70s, there was a movement where people were running up to Christians and ripping their 
crosses oh. off, right? But Sama so, saying put an end to that. Oh, right. right? Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. exactly. The people that are taking care of him, making sure that he's, you know, getting his food, security, all of that. He's right. probably, no, yes. Yeah. Much more secular regime than yes. the Middle East. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I would describe his his regime as secular, <laughs> because because when, like he would. I think Saddam Hussein could be one of the most, um, beside like leading up to his egregious acts. Right yeah. when we're talking about the last five, maybe eight years, and this is just a theory, right? That I have. So I have my 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 undergraduate degrees in Middle East studies with an emphasis uh -huh. in Arabic. Uh, just because I didn't know the pol politics, history, nothing of that. I moved to the U.S. when I was eight and a half, so yeah. I thought it was a good thing to learn. Um, but, like, he could be, like, there are th places where he's misunderstood, oh, right? His no, hold on. Hear me out for a second. <laughs> Hear me out for a second. And so one of the w worst atrocities that he did is he released biological weapons on his own people. Yeah, that right? Okay. Enemy tribes. Basically. But... Oh, not his. No, his own. I don't know if you'd call him any tribes per se, but but do you know why? Why he did that? Why he did it? Demonstrate power and eliminate his enemies. To, um, they were harboring uh, soldiers from Iran. Oh, they were supporting the the, 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 the enemy in a war, right? Well, I imagine they were enemies. What would the U.S. do if Montana harbored Canadian soldiers in a Canada-U.S. war? Well, I would. Oh, <laughs> I would gas genocide. That I would agree as well. But even before that, like well, you did awful things. Like leading, that's really the the epicenter right or the time where you're like all right you got to forget saddam okay, okay? Well, because that is a terrible thing right yeah yeah, yeah. before that you yeah. can argue that there was like you well we're getting into politics oh, which and, i'm not and, supposed and I'm to so, do yeah just let's get back to so let's get story. back to the story yeah. so now we're talking about my mom so she is in her 30s she gets pregnant We've, you know, uh, there there's stories from her life where her dad worked for the railroad, right? Uh -huh. And so they always lived by the railroad. And one of these railroads was um, where they held prisoners. So she's got a story oh of, like, going into hiding in her own home because there was alarms going off because prisoners had gotten out. Just wow. absolutely crazy things, right? Um, so she has me. Now, this is 1987, okay? Um uh, Iraq was an interesting that's, country. That's you were born in 87. 87, okay. September 30th, 87. So she has me, right? Yeah. And uh, she, <laughs> it's interesting, right? Tensions are high. The Iran-Iraq war ended. When we're approaching the first Gulf War, you know, Saddam Hussein decided, hey, we're going to go take Kuwait back because, right. you know, I, again, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're okay. talking now. This All is right. really just, okay. been, yes. Backdrop. Okay. So society changes a little bit as things are happening, right? Yeah. Law enforcement. She remembers when I was a kid, right? Was still in a car seat. She was driving to work, taking me with her. She had forgotten something. She drove back to her house and then went back again. And she got pulled over by, to be by, by law enforcement, yeah. essentially, and being yeah. like, why are you going back and forth? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. yeah. Um, 
First Gulf War happens, right? Yeah. And she lives through that. First Gulf War ends in 1991. Okay. Oh. And at that time, her and my dad, they decide, hey, we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go to Jordan. Oh, they're going to immigrate. They're going to immigrate. They're, they're just going to so bounce. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, it, it, we, <laughs> it's kind of a fun one. We, we took a taxi from Iraq to Jordan. Okay. Oh, uh-huh. you, I, yeah. I've heard of this app. It's like taking a cab from Idaho to Seattle. And we're okay, probably right. further. Very and, yeah. long cab ride. Very long cab ride. Okay. And this guy would open his seat and says, hey. Everybody, if you've got gold, if you've got cash, whatever, put it in my seat as we go through customs. Okay. Now, obviously, I'm three and a half years old at this point. So this isn't like my, my, pers- like what I saw. If you said to me, I'd be like, what? What? Exactly. I can't even imagine. Like, I, I don't know why my parents did it at the time, right? Like, it's just. So, so did they give them? I, you, you, you know, I, I think they did, right? Yeah. Because everybody else was doing it. All yeah. right. And he was actually a good guy. He gave oh, it no. back. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I don't I don't have any stories about being robbed oh, going to oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, I'm three and a half. So this is yeah, yeah, some yeah. of these a lot of this is stories I've been told. Sure, and sure, very sure. real sure, actual sure, sure. recollection. So they, they hide their possessions and they take the cab to Jordan. Yeah. So we go to Jordan, we get to Jordan, okay? Yeah. So, you know, Jordan's also a Muslim country, right? Yeah. Um, where this is 1991. Jordan today is not what it was in 1991. It's a completely different country. Yeah. Very westernized. The Jordanian king, his mother is American. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, very Western. Yeah. It's a different country. But in 1991, yeah. it wasn't. We lived in Hashimi Shimali, which is about 30 minutes, I think, south of... Jordan uh, of, of Amman, excuse me. Okay. And uh, we lived there for five and a half years because it took five and a half years for my parents to be able to um, file for refugee status with the United Nations. Oh. Okay. And uh, refugee status is a different type. You, you apply for it, you go through interviews, there's an entire process. It's the legal way of immigration, essentially. I- Yes. And so when you get a ref- refugee status, Jordan, hold on, I'm getting ahead of myself. Jordan, Jordan and Jordan, Iraqis were not allowed to work. And that oh. was because Saddam Hussein threatened Abdullah at the time. Hey, if you all the people that just ran away from my country work, I'm probably going to pick a fight with you. In so oh. many words. Right? It's not a. <laughs> okay. So they, 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 they're not allowed to work. So my dad is. Very skilled, one of the most handy people you'll ever meet. He's just source painting for people. My mom, who's educated, is now is now uh, tutoring a Greek Orthodox priests. So Catholics can't get married. Catholic priests can't get married. Greek Orthodox priests, as long as they before they take the priesthood, are married, they can have a family and children. Okay. So he had three kids, and she would tutor him in English and French and math. Okay. Okay. Did that for about five and a half years. Applied for the United Nations. Now, when once you're accepted as a refugee, you get to say, hey, these are the countries we want to go to. Okay. Okay. And so my parents picked Australia, Brazil, and the U.S. Uh-huh. Okay. Brazilian Missile Company. I don't know why Australia was an option. I should probably find out. But, okay, we interview with all three of them. At this point, I'm eight and a half. So when I say we, it's like the royal, like, yeah. I really didn't do anything. Of course, <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. 
Uh, but we interview with all of them and um, uh, the U.S., Australia and um, and and Brazil say, yes, you can come to our country, yeah, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, from there, the we get to decide. So my mom chooses to go uh, to the U.S. My mom and dad, they yeah. choose the U.S. They choose it because, and I say my mom and dad, okay, because they're making the decisions together. My mom is the driving force. Oh. He is the human that makes it happen. My dad is very good with the um, physical doing stuff. Not very good at the other, like, paperwork, getting through, making the appointments, making the meetings, saying what you need, like, making sure that you're sellable and, you you know, people want you, right? Yeah. So, I, do you get I, what I'm I, saying? I, I know the, yeah. The different dynamics, right? You know, opposites attract. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, she chooses the U.S. because, essentially, her uncle lives in California. He huh. was going to be in our sponsor. So, huh. we're loading up. We're ready to go. We're on a plane. To New York. We yeah. land in New York and we found out that her uncle had a um had a stroke. Oh yeah. While we're on the plane. This is your sponsor. This is our sponsor. sponsor. I gotta have a sponsor. Yeah. So he's like, his wife is essentially just saying, I can't do this. We can't do this right now. Right. So the UN ends up keeping us in the US uh for Three days, keeping us in New York for three days while they found us a new sponsor. Huh? Right? Cool stuff. So yeah. the uh, International Rescue Committee yeah. was our new sponsor. Uh -huh. uh, they have large headquarters in the um, in in Salt Lake City, Utah. So there is. So we go there. So we moved to Salt Lake City, Utah, in 1996, what? March 23rd, 1996. I literally couldn't think of a place on the planet more the polar opposite. Of Iraq, and <laughs> Salt Lake City, which I've been to several times in love. Yeah, no, oh, it's I love beautiful. Salt Lake. Beautiful. I ski, so it makes me happy, <laughs> right? The, the only thing is, I just can't do the traffic or the, the pollution anymore. The inversion in Salt Lake is absolutely okay, that awful. Is, that is. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway, so uh, you land in Salt Lake City. We land in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh -huh. Now, my mom, then within a year, Okay, she's enrolled in Salt Lake Community College. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and she's going to study because her marketing degree and her economics degree and her years of experience count for nothing. I see. Okay, now she's, let's see, nine, there's a thing, it's 296. She's 38 years old. She yeah. enrolls at Salt Lake Community College after yeah. a year of being in the yeah. U.S. But her credentials. Her credentials are not recognized. She is starting off as a freshman. I see. Okay. One of the most incredible things I've ever seen her do, and she did it all the way for four years, okay, is every assignment that she did, she would take from English, translate to Arabic, solve it, translate it back to English. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Really? She graduated from Salt Lake Community College, which is this community college. In two years, she had a 4.0. Fascinating way to learn. Fascinating. I mean, I imagine with really reinforce the knowledge uh, yeah and right. well she just felt more comfortable to answer it in arabic and then can just translate it yeah okay sure. that skill right there comes in later in her career okay, okay. uh because so she so she finishes Salt Lake community college she graduates with a 4.0 okay. okay she finishes then she goes to the university of utah and completes her bachelor degree and uh graduates with a 3.8 with the university of utah oh uh -huh. 
okay, and doing the entire same process. Yeah. So uh, to me alone, that is one of the most incredible yeah, things. That's all this stuff is yes. To me, so far, and it take took so long that it's beautiful American story, right? And so, and and. She goes from there. She doesn't actually ever end up using her graduate, her her degree. Okay, um, you know she's forty two years old by the time she graduates, so it, it, it it's a little bit different, um, and it's hard to start a career at forty two with a brand new degree in nineteen ninety eight yes. ninety nine. That's a, it's a different world than it is today. Yes. So she ends up working for Catholic Community Services. Okay. okay, and becomes a case manager, helps refugees for years, yeah. and then she gets in a pretty bad car accident. Like oh. she is bedridden, okay, for eight nine months. Okay, yeah. and after that, uh, she lost her job during that time, and then so she becomes a translator for oh. med for doctors. So she basically she picks up people, takes them to their medical appointments, uh -huh. translates, and brings them back home. All right. All right. Now, That's great work she's doing. So, so, one of the most incredible people I know. And what, where, where is she today? She, uh, she lives with me today. Um, she, uh, yeah. I have a kid. Uh, she yeah. helps me take care of my son. She doesn't yeah. have to work because why not? Like, well, I okay. work now, and so she Wonderful just lives family. at home. Yeah. So, all right. So this is the story of your mother's amazing life. Yeah. And the incredible travels and journeys to get to where you are now. Yeah. And she's got to be very proud and happy to have such a good lawyer son. <laughs> well, you don't tell people that. They judge you. <laughs> that's, just, no, that's a joke. I'm that's sure a joke. <laughs> no, no, no. They judge me for the lawyer thing. Oh. Okay, so your story, uh, it's a beautiful story. It's one of uh, uh, six, uh, difficult uh, and successful immigration. And, 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 and a new generation of Americans. That's a great story. I love okay. that story. Thanks, man. I'm an immigrant myself. Are you? We're okay. Family. Yeah. Well, and aren't we all? I mean, that is yeah, the truth. That yeah. is the truth at the yes, end of the day. Yeah. Um. So okay, that was a great story. Um, I'm going to tell my story, and Sage, help me out here. I think have I told this one before about how my people, the Polish people, got to America. A little bit of an intro, but I haven't. All right. Awesome. It's a long episode, by the way. Let's do it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Than, but uh, I'm tell my story, and uh, and I'm going to tell it briefly, and uh, and uh, and and then and then when you hear my story, we'll we'll make a judgment. Okay. So really briefly, um, it's the turn of the century. My family comes from a village near Gdansk in Poland, uh, and uh, economic hardship uh, and immigration doors were open in America. Uh, you could, we were we need workers now. We really needed them then, and we let them come in. Yeah, and for some reason we're not doing that now. Uh, but uh, so anyway, the, my my village, two thousand people got together. They put all the resources so they could buy fare to get on the ship to get to America. Uh, and uh, so they make it all the way to Ellis Island, and they go to the train station, and they want to go to Chicago. It's an incredibly large Polish-American population. A lot of, it's the second most populated Polish city outside of Warsaw. Yeah. And uh, 
And uh, so they want to go to Chicago. And they go up to the train station and they realize at that moment that not one of them speaks <laughs> So brave enoughly goes up to the train ticket agent and has everybody's money with them. And he goes up and he said, He's trying to see. I'm Chicago, yeah. And instead, the sales agent gives him 2,000 tickets to Chickabee, Massachusetts. Chickabee, Massachusetts. I was born. Yes! <laughs> so, 2,000 people get on the train. They, they're heading east instead of west. They, 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 they get to Chickabee, Massachusetts. They get off. It's all farm country. Mm-hmm. And they're all Oh, and they realized, or they believe, God's providence that brought yeah. them there. So they get on their hands and knees and they pray, and then they find big farmland. And now, if you go to Western Massachusetts, you see a very large Polish American community, second in Chicago, and or well, or third, but uh, and uh, and and yeah, those are my people. So uh, we have a Polish American, my grandfather was uh, one of those immigrants, and he was in the Polish American Society up yes. there. I would hear this story all the time. And I would, we'd go to Polkas and have to lose the wonkies and throwies. So uh, that's 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 my immigrant story. That's how my family got to be in America. And honestly, I remember being told this story a lot as a child, and my elders telling it with complete seriousness and having the hardest time not trying to burst out laughing in their face. <laughs> because I thought it was we're gonna we're gonna give you a t-shirt and we're gonna copy your mom, the one up on this episode. And <laughs> but if you first of all have a good immigrant, how the heck you got to America story. And I'm sure pretty much all of you do. Then, uh, <laughs> we want to hear it, except for the indigenous folks. Uh, we, well, we'd love to hear your story even more. Uh, but uh, please uh, send it to the uh, oneupper.show at gmail.com. Uh, or listen to us on the oneuppershow.com. And you can listen to us wherever your podcasts are. And remember, email us or type up video or an audio link. And if you can... Uh, one up. Uh, what's your name again? Safa. Safa, uh, and myself. We're going to send you a T-shirt. So thanks again, and keep those good stories coming. Thank you. All right. That was great. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The One Upper Show is brought to you by Trailblazing Canvassers and the Burning Sage Productions.